Good morning. As we're being seated, if you'll go ahead and find your Bibles, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 4. We'll also be in Matthew chapter 11. Now, last week we began a new series. It's called Finding Rest, and I think it speaks to most of us because particularly as Americans, we are really good at doing things, but sometimes we struggle at the art of just being, really finding joy and rest within our soul. In the Banks house yesterday, it was a significant day because my son, Bennett, turned three years of age yesterday. Can you believe that Bennett is already three years? Not sure if y'all are clapping for Bennett or if you're clapping for us that we survived uh, three years, but you know, he's a really cool kid, and I just love watching toddlers because they know how to just be. I watch Bennett run around the house, and he likes to wear these Superman pajamas with this big cape on the back of it, and he's like, Superman to the rescue, and he just flies around the house saving uh, people in distress. He likes to play with cars, and I, I watch him live life, and he's not worried in the least about Donald or Hillary or Ted, not even on his radar screen. And then I watch my, my son, Camden, who's two months old, and I, I watch the way he lives life, and he, he eats, he sleeps, he cries, and he repeats, and that's just how he lives life, and he's just really good. Their little kids are just really good at being. I, I was getting a little frustrated. I, I had to sit the boys down and say, okay, gentlemen, you guys got to do something with your lives. I mean, how are you going to get a scholarship if all you want to do is run around like Superman, and how are you going to support a family if all you want to do is sleep and eat and then repeat? And they, they just kind of looked at me like I was crazy or something like that. In, in life, over time, when we start out life, we're really good at being. But over time, the loudness of life, the busyness of life causes us to reach this point where often we forget how to rest, how to just have calm in our soul. Now, why is that? Let me give you three reasons why that occurs. One, because of our sin nature. Pride begins taking over at some point in our journey, and we want to control our lives. And instead of trusting God for the things that we can't control, we try to be God ourselves, and it's easy for entitlement to creep into our lives where we start thinking that we are owed things in life. Busyness is another reason. There's just so much to do. You've got to do the house repairs. You've got to make sure the laundry is taken care of. You've got to have the yard mowed. There's meals to be cooked. There's bills to be paid. You've got to get the kids to baseball and dance. And then we have church, and oh, we're supposed to pray. And at the end of the day, it's really easy for us to say, I forgot to do my Christianity today. Sometimes we value the wrong things. We, we begin to think that inner happiness is going to come from the outside in. And so we start thinking, if only I can get that new job, if only we can get that new house, if only we can get to the point where we can afford that new car, if only I can find my soulmate, then I'll have this deep inner peace that I'm longing for. And so we strive towards this. We end up with a lot of things, but not a lot of blessedness. And we still find ourselves longing for rest. So enter Jesus. Jesus looks at the dad who is trying to do everything right and not mess up. 
He looks at the exhausted mother. He looks at the young mind that is searching for meaning and striving to get ahead in life. And he says to them in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you, what's the word? Rest. All of you take up my yoke and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The promise of Jesus was come to him and we will find rest. But we need to understand that the rest is not going to be found in ourselves. You're not going to find rest just through some self-exploratory journey. Rest is found in Christ. You cannot do enough. You cannot sleep enough. You cannot buy enough. You cannot experience enough to find the rest that Jesus offers you because the rest that Jesus calls you to is not the absence of stress, work, and fear. Christ's rest is the presence of God in you that replaces your stress with faith brings meaning to your work, and your fear is replaced with hope. Now, I have, a, I have a question, and this is probably the elephant in the room question that in a series like this on finding rest that a lot of us wrestle with. And the question is this, why is it that I can be a believer in Christ, but this rest that Jesus offers me is nowhere to be found. We we, we don't probably articulate the question too often. But why is it that Jesus says, hey, come to me and I'll give you rest. Okay, I've come to Jesus. I'm a believer. I'm I'm a genuine believer in Christ. But I don't have this rest that he talks about and I, I want it. Let me give you a couple of answers to that question. The first of all, I'll give you the heavenly answer. The rest that he talks about is at the end of life. And that's not untrue. It is very true that Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you rest. And ultimately that rest that Jesus promised is seen through his crucifixion and what we celebrated last week, the resurrection. And then there is rest beyond this life with God forever in heaven. In fact, we're going to talk about that rest towards the end of the series and how we often do not live life here with anticipation of what life will be like there. But I also want to give you the, hey, I'm still alive answer, the here and now answer. Often, there are moments when God is really stretching us and he's preparing us for the next level. He brings us all the way up against the boundary to the next chapter in our lives, but whenever we get to that boundary, instead of going forward in faith, we retreat in fear and self-sufficiency. And the end result is that we do not have rest, but we are restless. In the Bible, trusting God allows us to move forward in faith. The opposite of trusting God is whenever we retreat to our fears. And in Scripture, whenever we retreat to our fears, it leads to a wandering loop of aimlessness. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 1, Therefore, while the promise to enter rest remains, let us fear that none of you should miss it. I don't want to miss this rest. How about you? 
Look at verse 2. For we also have received the good news just as they did, but the message they heard did not benefit them since they were not united with those who heard it in, here's our word for today, faith. For we who have believed enter the rest in keeping with what he said, what he has said. Now here's the context of this passage of scripture. In early Christianity, you had young Christians, uh, young believers, they came to a point where they believed in Christ, particularly the book of Hebrews was written to those that were Jewish. And so they had grown up in Judaism and they came to believe in Christ and then they began to be persecuted for their faith in Christ. So they began to be fearful of what the future held and they were being tempted to abandon Jesus and run back to Old Testament style Judaism. So the book of Hebrews, the the big theme is that Christ is superior, that Jesus is superior in all ways to the law, and that the law ultimately led you to, drove you to Christ, and that because Christ is superior, we ought to go forward with our faith in Him rather than retreating backwards into our fears. So the writer here in Hebrews chapter 4 reminds us of a story that took place in the Bible in Numbers chapter 14. You remember Moses, the great liberator Moses, who led one to two million Hebrew people out of slavery in Egypt. And you remember the story of the Exodus. These people saw God do some absolutely amazing things. Whenever they reached the Red Sea, what did God do? He parted the Red Sea, and they walked on dry ground. There's a part of the verse that you don't notice. It says they didn't even stumble as they walked on the dry ground. In other words, he he helped them with their balance as well. He also guided them each and every day. He supernaturally supplied them with food and water. There has never been a, a group of people that has probably seen the hand of God do more miraculous things than this group of people, and they were leaving Egypt, and they, they were going towards this land that we sometimes refer to as the promised land. That was, that was what they were marching towards, and whenever they reached that promised land, when they reached that destination, it was going to be theirs. Now, put yourself in their sandals. These are people that had lived all their lives in slavery. These are people that every day got up early, worked late. They were, they, were, they were ordered by the taskmasters. They had no freedom. They really didn't have a life of, of, of rest. And they were longing to get to the promised land where they could experience something that would be theirs. They could have rest and they could live the life of their dreams. And so that promise was always in front of them, motivating them. We've all had similar promises made to us as well. You're promised if you'll just go to school, if you'll get a good education, then whenever you get to the end of that, then you can have a good job, and then you'll be able to have a nice house, and then you'll be able to have things that are all yours, and with that will come peace, with that will come rest, and everything will be okay. You were taught from the time that you were a little bitty child, uh, go to the ball, dance with Prince Charming, get married, and you'll live happily ever after. You were told, have a child, maybe two, three, 
or four. It'll be lots of fun. And all those gaps that you have in your life, all those holes that are still there that you're longing to be filled, the children will come in and and they'll fill all those holes and then you'll leave a legacy and your life will be fulfilling and you'll have rest. And all through your life, all these different promises, you frequently have gotten up to the border of them or you started to experience them and you're like, well, I still don't have rest. Well, Israel gets to the border of the promised land. This was the destination point. And they decide, okay, let's send 12 spies to go check it out, and they'll report back to us what they see. So they send 12 spies into the land. Two of them come back. Their names are Joshua and Caleb. And they come back, and here's their report. They, they basically say there's obstacles in the land, there's challenges, but we need to trust God, and we need to go forward because he will He will take care of us. Ten of them come back, though, and they are absolutely clothed in fear. Because whenever they went into the land, they saw the fortresses of their enemies. They saw that there were already people living there. And they came back and they reported, there is no way that we can go there. There is no way that we can overcome the challenges. So instead of trusting in God, they began trusting in themselves. So all the people hear this report, and what do you think the masses did? The masses turned to Moses, this man that God had used to take them out of their lives of misery. The masses turned to Moses to say, what, have you brought us out here to just die in the wilderness? What we need to do is we need to turn around, we need to go back to Egypt, we need to become slaves again, because that's a better life than the one that you're calling us to. The irony of the story is that rest was right there for the taking. They were right there at the boundary. And rest wasn't really going to be found in dirt. Rest was going to be found in trusting God and obeying Him. Rest was going to be found in pushing through their fears to experience exactly what God had called them to do and beyond doing who God had called them to be. But out of all those people, only two found rest. What happened to the others? Well, they spent their entire lives, the rest of their lives, wandering around in the wilderness of Kadesh Barnea. In the Bible, faith and rest are always connected. When our faith is in God, the rest that Jesus promised abides within us. And it frees us to experience the fullness of God's blessings. But when our faith transfers to ourselves, rest is replaced with fear and anxiety. And then we find ourselves wandering through the events of life, just as Israel wandered through the wilderness. And many times we spend our entire lives as if it's just a treadmill walk and we never go anywhere. We never have any real rest. We never have any destinations. We're just wandering. Fear focuses on the problems rather than God's calling. Faith listens to God, trusts in His love, and trusts 
in his power. Fear will drain you of peace and fill you with anxiety. Whenever you retreat into your fears, I can guarantee you this, you are not restful, you are restless. All that peace that's in your soul, when you retreat into your fears, it is just drained. And your soul is filled with anxiety and you begin worrying about things over which you have absolutely no control. Faith, though, drains you of fear and it fills you with a calm energy. Now, I didn't say that God's going to take away all your problems. I didn't say that suddenly your children are never going to disobey. I didn't say that suddenly you're going to have more money than you've ever dreamed of in your life and you'll have no more financial worries. But whenever you have faith in God, you have this calm energy that goes with you because there is a rest that goes beyond the physical world, a spiritual rest that can come from God when you rest in faith. What fear does is it creates this really small world. The more that we retreat into our fears, the smaller our world becomes because the unknown becomes a threat. And so what you do is you settle for what you know and what you can control. Faith, though, opens up a whole new world. In the faith world, the unknown brings opportunities because your faith is in the one who knows. If you read Jesus after the resurrection... He was continually taking his message and what he did on the cross and telling his disciples it's supposed to go out. All authority has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of where? All nations. He sent his disciples to take what happened there in Galilee or there in Jerusalem and take it and move it outward because they were to live their life in faith, not in fear. Fear leads to a life of wandering. You do stuff. But it's not leading anywhere. Faith leads to a life of purpose. Because who you are and what you do is attached to something that is much larger than you. It was the summer of 2008 when the first email arrived. Stacy and I had just become parents and we were adjusting to life as parents. We had a a good life going, had a nice house, had a good ministry, good friends. We were living in Grayson County at the time, and so my role in ministry, I was a missionary. I went around to different churches every week and tried to help them in the areas of strength, support, and strategy. And I got this email that Murphy Road Baptist Church in Murphy, Texas, was looking for a pastor. And they had sent me some questions that they wanted me to answer, and They wanted to begin a dialogue with me, and so we prayed about it for a little bit, and we decided, okay, let's answer the questions. Let's see where God leads in this. Over the next few weeks, we began to get to know the folks at Murphy Road Baptist Church. I drove down here, sat in the room right back there at the back of the worship area and interviewed with what's called the search team. After that, they said, hey, we want to come hear you preach, and so I was preaching at the First Baptist Church of Gunner, Texas. Anybody ever been to Gunner, Texas? Don't call it Gunter. They will run you out of town if you pronounce the T. It's Gunner, Texas, even though it's spelled Gunter, Texas. But anyway, that's beside the point. They came up there, and uh, they heard me preach. And then after the message, we said, hey, let's meet. Let's go to lunch. And so we met at La Hacienda Ranch. 
there on 289. And I, I remember as Stacy and I and Karis were driving to the lunch, Stacy looks at me and says, well, what do you think they're going to want to talk to us about at lunch? I said, well, it's still a little bit early in the process. They probably just want to get to know us a little bit and hear a little bit about our life story and things like that. So we walk into the restaurant, sit down at the table, and first words out of their mouths were, uh, we want to bring you in to be our pastor. Okay, uh, this is getting a little bit more serious here now, okay? And so uh, we, we said, well, we need to pray about this and think about it. And over the next week, we had to work through some logistics with what that would all look like, and we had to pray some more. And here's where I'm going with this. There was this moment. I'll never forget this moment. Stacy and I were sitting in Karis Nursery, and we were talking about this church. And we were right at the boundary. We were, we were going to have to make a decision. This was the decision point. And so we were talking about, do we do this or not? <clears throat> if we do this, all of life's going to change here. Do, are we going to do it or not? And there was ultimately one question that we had to answer. And that question was, has God led us to this point or not? Because if God hadn't led us to this point, then we needed to retreat because we needed to go to God and find out what His desire was for us. But if we really believed that God had led us to this point, we needed to go forward because it was God that was directing our path. And so we decided he had. And so I got, I got out my phone. I made a phone call. I, know, I won't forget the phone call because that phone call set into motion things that would ultimately change our lives. Now, somebody in the room sitting back there and you're listening to this whole story, and at this point you're going, well, what did you decide to do? Okay, we came, all right, Uh, we're here, and we've been here now for over seven years, and we love our church family, and in this church family, we have experienced the rest that Jesus promises us. We have experienced the joy that you find whenever you go forward in faith, because remember, the, the rest is not found in the destination, the rest is found in God and following Him, and knowing Him, and letting Him direct your path. So here's my guess. In a lot of our lives this morning, there is a big decision that is looming. You've got to make a decision on something, and you've got to do it pretty quickly. And you're asking, do I do this or not? Let me give you the key question to ask yourself. Has God led you to this point? Has God led you to this point? If you've been walking on your own, you need to retreat back to God and let Him direct your paths going forward. But if you can look at the situation and say, yes, we've been doing everything we can to follow God. I believe God has led us to this point. I want to encourage you, trust Him and go forward. Hebrews chapter 4, Therefore, while the promise to enter His rest remains, let us fear that none of you should miss it. For we have also received the good news just as they did, but the message they heard did not benefit them since they were not united with those who heard it in faith. Could you imagine the possibilities if you started living your life in a world of faith rather than fear? Could you imagine how much your life would change if you quit worrying about all those things that are beyond your control And you started trusting God for those things. If you try to do the very best with what God has given you, if you cast your eyes upon Jesus 
and trusted Him to direct your paths. And you sought in everything that you do simply to glorify God. Could you imagine the peace that you would experience if you just trusted God and found the rest that can be found when you live your life in faith? Would you be so kind as to stand with me, please, as we come to a time of commitment? It may be that you're here today and there's never been a time in your life when you've trusted in Jesus Christ in faith as your Lord and Savior. It may be that you're at a point in life where you need to make a decision in your spiritual world. Maybe God has been leading you to this church and you need to make a decision to become a part of this church, to join in membership. It could be that there's a point of change in your life right now and you need to spend some time talking to God in prayer. You can pray at your seat. You can come forward and pray. I'll be here at the front row if I can pray with you and encourage you, help you with anything. It's always my joy to do so. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the goodness of, of your love. Thank you, Lord, that in you there is no impurity, there is no false motive, that we can trust in you because we know that you love us perfectly, that you have created us for your glory. And so, Lord, we pray that we might live our lives in such a way that we bring glory to you. I pray for those that find themselves at the boundary today and they're forced with a decision, do I retreat in my fears or do I go forward in faith? I pray, Father, that faith will be greater than fear. And I pray, Father, that they will know that you are a God who loves, a God who sustains, a God who encourages us. And may we find rest in that. May we also not mistake the destination for you. May we realize that the rest that you call us to is ultimately not found in things, but it's found in you. And may we seek our joy in who we are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.